Welcome to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, a place for healing and hope for couples impacted by betrayal resulting from infidelity and or sex addiction. Your hosts are Marnie Breaker and Dwayne Osterland, licensed marriage and family therapists, certified sex addiction therapists, and founders of respective treatment centers in Long Beach, Los Angeles, and San Diego, California. Marnie and Dwayne co-created Helping Couples Heal, a comprehensive program for couples recovering from betrayal trauma, including an in-person two-day workshop, an online aftercare program, and this podcast series is the first component of the program. Thank you for listening. Marnie and Dwayne are committed to helping you recover from the devastating impact of betrayal trauma and are honored to support you wherever you may be in your healing. If you've lost hope, you've come to the right place. Now, take a slow, deep breath, and let's begin with the Helping Couples Heal podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Helping Couples Heal podcast. We're really happy that you're here and you're listening, and we hope that you are finding hope and healing from this podcast. We know we haven't been on for a while, but we're excited to get back into the groove and create some more episodes. So we hope this episode is going to be helpful to you. You know, I was just thinking that when we recorded our last episode, which was about therapeutic separation, we also said to them that we had felt badly because we had not recorded an episode or released an episode in so long and that we'd be more diligent about that in the future. So um, I do want to acknowledge that it has still been a bit of a challenge for us to to get more episodes out. So just so you all know, Dwayne and I have finally carved out the time in our calendars every week, same time, same day, Right. and we will be recording and editing our podcast. So you will be hearing from us more often. Please know that when we are not recording, we are busy supporting all of you who have been reaching out to us for help. And, you know, that's what we're doing in addition to raising our families and (laughs) and trying to have um, (laughs) all the other other life stuff we have to do. Exactly. Exactly. But we're glad you're here. We're we're happy to be back. And we do have, I think, a really important episode today. We're going to be talking to you about a dynamic that we see with couples recovering from betrayal that happens pretty often and it's pretty universal. And so we just want to speak to it and maybe give you guys some some ideas about how to change the trajectory of your healing if it's not going very well. Yeah. All right. Here we go. You have a a phrase that comes up quite a bit about trust. So you want to jump in with that and we'll go from there. Sure. So something that I hear um, from partners a lot is that their husband or their partner will say to them, I only betrayed you by acting out. Or I know that I acted out, but you should be able to trust me in all these other areas of our lives, right? Like, I know that I sexually betrayed you, but why does that mean suddenly that you're not trusting me with our finances or you're not trusting me with our kids or you're not trusting me to make decisions, right? And and so that comes up a lot. And I think the reason we decided to talk about it today was because probably everybody who's listening to this podcast will be able to relate to this in one way or another, even as the e- either as the person who is asking that question, right? The one who's done the betraying, who's like, come on, I've, I've been a trustworthy right, father, right. right? Why shouldn't you trust me in that area? Or the person who feels like, no, I can't trust you in these other areas because, yes, it was only the sexual betrayal that I know about, but I would never have thought you'd betrayed me sexually, right? So how can I know now? How can I know now that I can trust you in any area? Right. I, I think that trust comes up as almost the the first 
question that a partner has once betrayal happens. It's the first thing they go to. How can I ever trust you again? And not, I mean, all of the other hurt and all of that is there too, but that's one of the biggest questions that comes up. And then for the person who's done the betrayal, they're asking the same thing. I think uh, I've broken your trust. How can I repair it in this area in this in this piece but i think looking at trust we have to understand the complexity of it like there's there's a lot going on here when we start to look at trust and what that means yeah and i think also a lot of times especially if we're looking at um infidelity when like um from the lens of sex addiction there's so much compartmentalization and i think that right. that often the addicts compartmentalize even this idea of trust okay it makes sense to me logically that i betrayed you sexually and relationally so you're not going to trust me in that area but logically it doesn't make sense that in this other area you are still not trusting me right it's so compartmentalized it's this compartmentalized thinking and reality that, that that really is very distorted, and that's I think probably maybe our number one message today is to is to bring bring a sense of real reality to this, and to validate the idea that even though you might betray someone in one specific area, the rebuilding of trust is universal, right? It's going to cut across every area of your relationship and your life. Right. One of the things I hear a lot from the person that's done the betrayal is that the person who's been betrayed may go, if they have kids, may go, did you actually love our kids? Did you actually care about this part or that part or this or that? And the person who's done the betrayal is like, yeah, I I did. Why can't you trust me about that? I mean, I did a really good job raising the kids. I did a really good that. Of course, I love the kids. And Yet the person who's been betrayed doesn't trust any of it, can't trust any of it. And that is and that is something that as the person who's done the betrayal, they have to understand the global impact that this betrayal has on everything. Right. And Dwayne, when the person who's done the betrayal has that unrealistic expectation that their partner should trust them in these other areas, they're actually... Um, exacerbating the relational rupture, and they're they're putting off the possibility for healing because part of the healing for a partner is for their partner to be able to come and say, "I understand why you're not able to trust me in general. Like it makes sense to me how I have completely obliterated your trust in all areas based on this one thing that I did." Right, and I think that is one of the hardest things for the person who's done the betrayal to really grasp Mm -hmm. on a deep level on not just the that this was a betrayal that this action was a betrayal but the globalness of it and i think that's where a lot of betrayers really struggle in understanding that they they have a hard time seeing it because for them they had all the information they knew all the information And for the person who's been betrayed, they didn't have that. And it creates that reality rupture that if you don't have, it's, it's, it can be very hard to understand. Yeah. And also partners in a relationship, you know, most of us have this idea that if you love me, you are going to show me you love me by doing some very specific things, right? Like when you think about marital vows, for instance, it's, you know, it's, you're going to have my back. You're going to keep me safe. I I can trust you implicitly, right? Like, so these are some of the things that we believe. Most human beings believe that when we're loved by somebody, this is how you show, show love and this is how you receive love. But after betrayal, 
those actions are not loving, right? It's, it's so, so many partners are left to think, based on your actions, you did not love me. Based on your actions, you didn't love your children. Based on your actions, you didn't care about our family. It doesn't mean that for the person who's done the betrayal that that's true. But what is true is that the message that the partner gets is very much just that. Right. And, 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 and then the second part of that is if that's true, if you acted in a way that didn't show love, how am I supposed to trust you? How can I trust you, um, right? To, to, to love me when this is how you love. Right. I, I would add to that, which I think is very important is that in those moments that the person did the betrayal to their partner and their family, maybe they weren't thinking about their children. They they probably weren't. They weren't thinking about the impact. And in that moment, they maybe didn't care. Mm-hmm. But on a bigger level, we are complex creatures and we're not black and white creatures. So a part of us could have cared and another part could totally dismiss that caring to go engage in the addictive process to escape painful feelings. So I think that's also what's really hard about about this process and understanding is that it's nuanced and there's levels to it and it gets complex pretty fast as we start to break it down. Yeah. And I think that a partner is not going to feel, what's the word, validated, or it's not going to really make her feel better to hear from the one that's betrayed them. But I did love you. And I did I did love our kids. Like that's the problem. We get into this back and forth of these two different realities. And that's not going to solve yeah. the problem, which again, makes it so nuanced. And I can say as a, as a therapist who treats betrayal trauma, it's complicated for me. It's, it's very confusing for me when I see that dynamic happen, because both people are having their own experience. I've had um, clients who I'm seeing for individual therapy who have betrayed their spouse say to me, Marnie, my partner keeps saying I hated her or what I did was was evil and I wanted to destroy her, right? And I didn't love her. And I am telling you, that's not true. I've never stopped loving my partner. My family is the most important thing to me. Nobody means as much to me as my partner. And they really mean that. And the partner just as much and with as, as mu- with as much conviction believes the opposite, believes there is no way that if somebody loved me, respected me, cherished me, valued me, that they ever would have done that. And then also something I wanted to say, Dwayne, in response to something you said a few minutes ago, is that you had said that often a partner will say, you weren't thinking about me, right? Or you weren't thinking about our children when you did this. And your response to that, Dwayne, was that's somewhat true. Like in the moment, that's absolutely true. But from a, in a global picture, or if we look at it from a what we call an internal family systems perspective, where we all have parts of ourselves, and there is a part in the moment, right, right that's going to absolutely have to not think about anyone that we care about if we're going to do this thing that we shouldn't do or that we know is going to be hurtful um, or painful to somebody. But what I think is really important is for the one who's done the betrayal to be able to understand and start to conceptualize how painful it is for a partner to hear, I wasn't thinking about you. And so oftentimes they'll say, but but I loved you. I didn't stop loving you. But there's that 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 other thing, which is, but you weren't thinking about me. And how do you love me if you're able to not think about me? How do you love your children? How do you love your family? If you could go and literally just cut us out of your mind, right? Cut us out of your reality and go do these things, right? And then come back later. And that goes back to that word of trust, 
how can I trust you that you have my back? And one of the things I think about a lot is reframing this idea of trust as really looking at it as safety, feelings of safety. I trust that you will keep me safe, that you will protect me when I'm present and not present. Doesn't matter if I'm there or not there. Right. You will protect me. And so a person who's been betrayed cannot trust that that is true anymore. They don't have that. And so I, a lot of times I say to the person who's done the betrayal, you know, because they'll say, I'm never going to earn trust back. It's, it's broken. It's gone. It's never going to be repaired. And I say, don't think about the trust aspect. Think about the safety aspect of creating safety for your partner. If you become safe over time, they, they, you will earn that trust back. As long as you continue to show that you are safe and that you're going to protect them. And that takes time. That's hard to do. But I look at that more as a better target than to say you got to earn back trust. You got to earn back the confidence that you're a safe person, that you'll protect them. Absolutely. And I think I think it's really important to educate people on the impact of trauma uh, when it comes to all of this and how, how it plays out in a relationship traumatized by betrayal. Because for the partner who has experienced this huge rupture and the shattering of everything that they thought was true. So it's so important to understand how trauma works and the impact of trauma on our brain. Absolutely. So if we have never been, um, if we've never experienced, let's say, a a natural disaster, we've never survived a hurricane or an earthquake or um, a tsunami or or some, you know, the tornado, we might walk around thinking the world is a safe place. Right. And we really believe that. We trust that as we walk around in this world, we are safe and nothing bad is going to happen to us. The sky is not going to fall. Our houses are not going to tumble over and, you know, and, and collapse. But once we experience a natural disaster, you know, once we see the houses collapsing, we don't go back to the way we were before that trauma happened. That is what trauma does to our brain. So it's the truth is, and I think it's important for everyone to hear this, especially if you have betrayed your partner, as much as we believe in healing and reparation and recovery and connection and rebuilding, it's not the same as it was before because your partner will never unlearn what you did. And the trust can never, right. it can never be blind trust again. So that's why I'm using that metaphor. It's like, we can teach to re- to regain trust and to rebuild safety and all of those things. But I think it's really important for the one that's done the betrayal to recognize the burden that their partner has now, that in order to stay in the relationship, they have to find a way, even though they'll never be able to forget this, and they're never going to be able to go back to the way they, they felt and what they believed beforehand. But what can be created that can allow them to find safety and trust again in this new version of the relationship. And and to be able to understand how to create that, how to start to build that process, it, it won't be the same. You're right. And that's something that the relationship has to grieve as well, mm-hmm. that it's going to be different. But as we do this work, both you and I are, are very positive about it and hopeful about it. We do see that there Although it may not be that blind trust, there are ways to build a good, solid, trusting relationship, even around betrayal. I mean, there is hope out there, but you do have to grieve that loss and walk through that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I and I I don't think it's quite possible to stay in the relationship with only one partner grieving. In other words, I think that from what I've seen, relational healing in part is about the two partners coming together to have a shared narrative and a shared reality. Whereas when the betrayal was going on, and then even often after until discovery, there was a real sort of disconnect between the two people's reality. And so in the healing, it's about both people being able to grieve what has been lost. Both people are grieving. The partner, of course, there's so much grief and loss. But once the person who's done the betrayal is in a recovery program and and sober and in a place of integrity, the amount of grief that they have to reconcile is really it's pretty it's pretty acute. You know, be, being able to reconcile that their values and morals were so out of alignment with how they behaved and how they treated the people that they love. They're also having to deal with the fact that this relationship that they love so much and really did value will never be the same and that they're never going to be the same in their partner's eyes, right? Like that that blind trust will not be given in that way again. Yeah. And that's that's hard. that's hard to reconcile. I would go back to where we look at creating that safety for the partner and that if you've done the betrayal and you want to get to that space and get to the space where you can grieve together, your partner has to feel safe in that space. And I think what's so hard for the person that's done the betrayal is that they have to hold these two things. They have to hold all of their shame and guilt, all of their all of that loss and grief that they have and deal with the partner's feeling unsafe, the risk. I can't trust this relationship that I'm going to be safe, that my needs are going to be met, that I'm not going to be abandoned, hurt, left, abused. And that is hard work. And something that I think is really important that we mention is that so much about betrayal trauma or the act of betrayal and sex addiction and infidelity, it's that it is rooted in distorted thinking. Like somebody can't, unless somebody is a sociopath, they cannot act out in this way and continue to do it when they really care about people they love, unless they tell themselves all sorts of BS, <laughs> you know, or they, they justify. Right. They have to lie to themselves. They have to lie to themselves. They have to totally lie to themselves. And so the distorted thinking continues after someone gets sober because it's a way of being. We have to learn the skills of how to have clear thinking, how to be in reality, how not to have impaired thinking. And so I mention this because in the healing process, oftentimes the one who's acted out can still have this distorted thinking and say things like this. Well, one of them is what I said earlier. I know that I, I wasn't safe sexually or I acted out sexually, but you can trust me in these other areas. Another one is I'm sober now. I haven't acted out in six months, so you should feel safe right? Like these are distortions that we hear so often and they do not help the relationship heal. It actually, these distortions that happen in recovery make things harder for the partner to heal and therefore harder for the relationship to heal. So for anyone listening, and we'll talk more about sort of how to do this in another podcast, but to start, it's you've got to stop 
You've got to stop having these expectations and you need to learn about trauma. If you don't really understand about how trauma impacts the brain, you're not going to understand and be able to conceptualize your partner's experience. So you have to learn about that. And then you've got to go to the people that you go to for help and you have to get help with your distorted thinking if indeed you are still thinking some of these things that we've been talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think understanding how the nervous system works and having some basic knowledge of how trauma works in the nervous system, how to regulate the nervous system, everybody in the relationship needs to know that. I mean, I would say as human beings, we should know that. We should know how our bodies work and our nervous systems work so we can help regulate them and be more effective in our lives. But with this, you definitely have to get that because at the root is that for me, what I see is that those trauma reactions, not feeling safe. And when we're not safe, we're we're just in survival mode. If we're not safe, our brain goes, hey, we got to survive first. And then we start to respond. And so when I use the word safety, I'm talking about a lot of different levels of physical safety and the idea of being emotionally safe. Like I can emotionally be myself and it's going to be okay. And we have to learn how the nervous system works with all of that. One thing that I was just thinking, I know we're going to we're going to wrap up. We wanted to keep this this one on the shorter side, but I was just thinking about how prior to the development of the trauma model uh, or the partner trauma model, you know, years ago when partners were conceptualized as having codependency or co-addiction and they were so path- pathologized, they were said to be crazy or they're overreacting, making a huge thing, right? Yeah. And I just want to go back and validate for all partners how how horrible that must have been because the truth is that's completely discounting science, what we know to be true about trauma. Nobody was overreacting, right? People were having a legitimate trauma response. Their nervous system was was hijacked and attacked, and still happens, unfortunately, yeah, you yeah, know, that you have these trauma reactions and it gets labeled as craziness. And that's something that in the mental health field, we have to continue to work on and educate people on and, and help people grow. So, and, and it's another problem for couples because when, when one member of a coupleship or both, but, um, you know, is seeing a mental health professional who is looking at all of this through that lens of, you know, your partner's crazy, then if that's what they're saying to their client and the client is thinking, oh, my therapist thinks my my partner's crazy, right? My therapist thinks that this behavior is off the rails or crazy. Then they're going to go back and they're going to they're going to repeat that to their partner. They're going to say, well, my therapist thinks you're overreacting. My therapist thinks you're crazy. And that is in no way going to help a couple heal. It's really being able to see the nervous system as a whole and our responses when we are exposed to these kind of events make sense. They're normal. This is what humans do when they have these issues and these problems that come up. It's just part of being who we are. So we have to work with that. Exactly. But this is a definitely a messy and complicated process. And we know if you're listening that you are likely in it and we are here to continue to support you and to continue to bring truth and reality as well as hope. Because I can promise you one thing, 
We would not be here doing this work if we didn't believe that it was possible to heal and to thrive in your relationship. It would just be too hard. There's no way. There's no way we could do it. So know that we're we're out here. Know we're on your side. Know that we believe in you and that we we hope for healing for everyone who is out there listening. And I would say, although this is really, really hard work, we do see relationships heal and get better and thrive. Every day. Every day. Thank you so much for listening. And if you are getting a lot out of this podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. That does help get this podcast a lot of exposure and helps other people, other couples out there who are struggling find the podcast. So we'd really appreciate that. Also, as an additional resource, you can join our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in Helping Couples Heal, click join, and you can continue the conversation online there as well and get more support. You can also go to our website, helpingcouplesheal.com, and join the wait list for our couples community that is in the works and will be launching very soon. As always, thanks for your support, and we look forward to talking with you again on the next episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Helping Couples Heal podcast, where your healing is the number one priority. If you'd like additional resources about betrayal trauma or to learn more about the workshop, please visit helpingcouplesheal.com. If you're finding the podcast helpful, please support Dwayne and Marnie in continuing to reach others impacted by betrayal trauma. If you are finding the podcast helpful, Please support Marnie and Duane in continuing to reach others impacted by betrayal trauma by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast with someone you care about. Once again, thank you for listening. We're grateful for your trust and look forward to continuing to support you on your journey of healing.